Good morning, Congregation of Grace Church. The reading today is from John 3, 17 through 21. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in the world is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works are, were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. You all may be seated. Well, last week we started a brand new series called The Law of Jesus. And Pastor Tim kicked it off and, and we discovered that the law of Jesus is actually a law of love, right? Jesus, again, kind of twisting things on, on its head and, and giving us this law of love, an actual challenging task that it's impossible to do in our own strength and, and a lifetime of, of adventure and dependence to try and pull off this law of love. And, and, and we looked at that second part of Jesus's command to love others, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this morning we're going to look at the first part of Jesus's law of love, the first part which is to love God, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why do we love God? That's what we're going to kind of dive into today. Why do we love God? We love because why? Well, 1 John 4.19 spells it out for us. We love because he first loved us. He reaches us with love. We love God because he reaches us with love. How does God love us? Well, our passage today will explain this love and, and how it's full of, of action and hope. And, and we'll see how God's love not only reaches us, but it rescues us and it restores us with purpose. So what does love look like for you right now, though? I mean, just to kind of be honest and to get past the kind of hallmark or cheesy slogan-type love that we might be familiar with, to be honest, right now, in this challenging season that we're in, this chaotic, confusing time, what does love look like? Has it been challenging to love God for you in the midst of all of this? Has the pandemic or the quarantine sort of shined a light on a, a lack of love in your life, maybe for those around you or even around the world. I mean, it's difficult. It's challenging to love. Do you wish that it were different? I know I do. And my prayer, our prayer, is that as we look into this passage, that God's word will come alive in our hearts and will help us to do just that, help us to love God. On our first verse, is one of the most popular, well-known verse references in the entire Bible. Can you guess it? Okay, don't look at your notes. Don't, no cheating here. Um, I'm going to give you some clues, some pictures. 
Uh, so take a look at these. See if you can spot the verse reference. Yeah. And do you see it? Can you, can you, can you make it out? Kind of a lot of sporting events here. Here's a guy being chased for it at a sporting event, I guess. He's running away uh, with it. Um, you know, I'm not a sports guy, so some of these, these contexts are lost on me, but this verse even shows up at one of my favorite places. Here it is, In-N-Out Burger. Yep, yep, and, uh, and I mean, this verse is everywhere. It's in talk shows. It's even in the cartoons. I stumbled on a contemporary country song by the great theologian Keith Urban, uh, and uh, he wrote a song even called John Cougar, John Deere, and John 316. You have to say it with that kind of slang, right? That kind of accent. He says in the song that all he ever needed to learn in life, he learned from John Cougar, John Deere, and John 316. So, I mean, this verse is everywhere. Uh, An author dubbed it evangelical graffiti. Like, is it just is it just so much in our culture permeated into the fabric of our surroundings that it's lost its meaning or its depth? Why is it so popular anyway? Well, let's read it together, all right? And, and you'll see it on the screen. I invite you, would you read along with me? Let's discover this verse anew. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world. This love, no wonder it's so popular. It's a reminder of God's love for us. It's a, it's a synopsis, a perfect synopsis of the good news, of the gospel of Jesus. He loved us, our broken, messed up, chaotic, confused, unloving world meets a holy perfect, loving God, and and God's response to us is not condemnation or deserved judgment. It's love. He reaches us with love. He responds with love. Undeservedly. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We love God because he reaches us with love. I know there may be some listening and watching this morning who the home you grew up in, maybe it wasn't really marked by, by a love like that, a life-giving, healthy love. Maybe your parents didn't exhibit that. You didn't experience that. So many people experience life more on this kind of shame basis or, or um, a context where you have to earn love. You have to do stuff to get love. Um, and it's so difficult to separate that. We, we put that on God, too. We kind of assume that we have to earn God's love in some way. You know, I had a birthday a couple weeks ago. I turned 50, yep, and uh, yeah, I had to kind of get a clean look here for my 50. Um, and, and my wife was so kind, she organized a little video thing of friends and family to say their birthday wishes and affirmations. And, and one of the people on this video was my parents. And it was just so cool to, to have these um, words of affirmation and encouragement from my parents. My parents who my whole life have, have been loving and encouraging and supporting to me. I, they're not perfect, but God's used them just to show a small glimpse of the way God loves us. And God loves you so 
much. This verse describes that God loves you so much that he sent his son, not a a lamb or a bull or a goat or any other sacrificial animal, his son. And it was costly for God to send him. And this verse says that God opens the door of eternal life to those who are condemned. And we're going to see in a moment that means everybody. That means all of us. And this verse says that we get to experience eternal life simply by believing in the Son. Not by working for the Son or doing anything for the Son. John Piper sums it up like this. This sending of the Son is love because it was deeply costly for God, infinitely beneficial to us, and absolutely free. We love God because he reaches us with love. Another reason we love God is is described in the next two verses, 17 and 18. We love God because he rescues us with grace. Let's see how it plays out. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And here Jesus moves into some law language from the courtroom. And it's interesting, our series is called The Law of Jesus, and now Jesus pulls out this law language. The courtroom has often been associated with the place of truth, where ultimate truth is discovered and 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 uh and and found out right all stories seem to end in the courtroom and you can think of some words related to the courtroom judge verdict sentence evidence a trial condemned jesus was not sent to condemn the world some translations say to judge the world and the message paraphrase says god didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted, and anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And this is the truth of our situation. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, we're all like this convicted criminal in this courtroom. We're condemned to die and deserving of it. But God saves us from this horrible fate, from the death sentence that we deserve. God puts us on a new trial before a throne of grace. We love God because he rescues us with grace. You know, this undeserved acquittal the new trial we've received, this pardon of guilt, it demands a response. Nobody can be neutral about this offer from God. God didn't send his son into a neutral world where we're all in the middle and some of us kind of drifted toward God and some drifted away from God. No, we were all fallen short of the glory of God. We all had turned our backs on God and Jesus comes into this kind of a place and he offers this gift and we have to choose. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. A gift has to be received, can't be forced on anyone. And so we love God because he rescues us with grace. And, And finally, we love God because he restores us with purpose. 
You know, this gift that he gives us, we have to choose it. And the last couple of verses in our passage today describe the choice before us. There's only two choices, one path or the other path. And and this passage first describes what it looks like to not receive this gift. Verses 19 and 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. It's so tempting to want to cover our sin, right? To hide it in the darkness. We don't want to see the reality of our brokenness. We, we love this idea that we can sort of make like life work on our own, that we don't need anything, that we have it all together. And we hate the idea that that, that is not true and our inability to really pull it off. We, we, we hate it and so we don't want to see it. We choose not to accept it. And we can't fix it and so, so we hide it. And the message again says, this is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran into the darkness. You know, about 10 years ago at another church, I had a chance to lead a small group, a group of guys, and sort of this men's small group. And we had a, one of the guys in our group was a new Christian. He was just discovering his faith, and it was so exciting to do these Bible studies with him and pray together as a group and see his heart just come alive uh, in the presence of God and with community. But we got to find out right away that he was struggling with this debilitating addiction to drugs and alcohol. And, and the way we found out is just like a few weeks after these great Bible studies we'd have, he would be gone. Like we wouldn't know where he was. We'd call his wife and, and the wife and kids at home didn't know where he was. And it would be days and days. And finally he'd sort of come back, you know, and he had really no explanations of where he was. And, and he, was, he was repentant and he would tell us, you know, what, what happened and how he had fallen under this addiction. And we would bring him back, you know, and we would celebrate and we'd pray with him and we'd forgive him, of course, and, and all of that. And then we'd, we'd gather around the Bible again and it'd be weeks of just great times with God. And then again, he'd be gone again. And, and our hearts would just sort of break and we felt helpless. And, and you could almost see, and then he'd come back, you know, days later and he was just crying and, and wanting to, to be made whole again. And you could just see this war inside of him. You could almost see the darkness pulling him away from from the the opportunity to bring his life into the light you might not have a, a situation as debilitating or as visible as that but we all have things that we want to hide that that we that we turn away uh, from god that we want to cover up and you know the guilt of not coming to jesus is is ours it, it lies with us it we don't come because we don't want to come we've chained ourselves uh, we've we've kind of um, we've made ourselves uh, a prisoner forged in the furnace of our own desires so what do we do how do we break free from this well we love God because he restores us a- and this the second last part of the passage describes the choice of receiving this gift and what it looks like. So verse 21, it says this, but whoever does what is true comes to the light 
so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the restoration and the life of purpose described by Jesus. That our lives can be bathed in light, that they can be out in the open, and we can experience God's love and grace in every part of our lives. We have nothing to lose by coming into the light. There is not a hammer of judgment waiting for you. There is an embrace of grace. There is not a hammer of judgment waiting for you. There is an embrace of grace. And even though unbelief and choosing the darkness may have been our fault, belief is God's gift and he wants to give it to you. Watching my friend fall under this, this pattern of addiction was so challenging for us, for his family. It, it was so uh, frustrating and, and confusing and we felt helpless. We didn't know what to do. We tried to encourage him. We tried to love him through it. But, and after a year of this, just speaking into his life and, and sharing with him God's hope and, and walking with him as he stumbled uh, through this, this challenging uh, addiction, about a year later, he finally checked into a treatment center, this place called Teen Challenge, and, and where you could go live with some guys and, and, and work on your recovery. And so we, we celebrated. We were so excited he was going to finally make this step, and, and we prayed for him and sent him off, and but our, our hopes were dashed. Like weeks later, he had checked out in the middle of the night and, and he was gone again. But a few weeks after that, maybe a month or so after, he, he checked in again. And, and this time, something felt different. Something changed. You could see a dependence, a new honesty in his life. Well, I'll never forget, uh, you know, a year later, we, uh, we got to celebrate uh, his graduation. And I'm getting choked up because it was so meaningful and we had gone through such a roller coaster ride you know to get there together his family was there there wasn't a dry eye in the house his friends and uh seeing him up on this platform singing these gospel songs you know of victory and and hope uh, with the rest of his recovery community was amazing to see him graduate and to finish this program that that finally he had taken this step in to the light that he had stopped running and he had come in to the light, and he was living his life in God. And that's the key, these last two words of this passage, in God. It's the way to faith, to belief. It's the way to avoid running for the darkness and, and to turn toward the light. It's our connection with God, a profound sense of God-dependent humility. That every good thing we ever do, we do only in God. And that means only by God's power. You know, the Amplified Bible says, divinely prompted, done with God's help, in dependence on him. And that's what being restored with purpose is all about. Well, this morning, are you tired of walking in the dark by yourself? in vain trying to prop up a facade of like success around your life you know because we can be sneaky right uh we can we can make darkness look like light we, we can use these outward accomplishments maybe that we've been fortunate enough to have or or health or vitality or wealth or strength or confidence like this like our own fabricated false light that's still hiding in the darkness 
but this is exhausting to keep up. It's hollow, it's empty, and deep down, we know it. So take a step. Just one step, if that's all you can take, but this morning, would you take a step toward the light? Respond to God's love today. This gift of his son, Jesus, the one who suffered the ultimate injustice, who was murdered in your place, who willingly took the punishment for you, paid your debt so that you could be rescued and restored in grace, free and forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death forever and offering you eternal life. Experience his power in your life, animated by his spirit, a life of blessing others and a leaving a legacy of love. What if our whole church took a step toward the light today like that? And we could be more connected to God. We could be more honest with ourselves, more humble and free and loving, and not out of a place of duty or obligation, but out of a response to God's love in God. What if our whole world responded to the message of John 3:16? What it's all about, this verse that they've seen everywhere. And what if the whole world took a step towards the light and responded to the gift and the message and the invitation of that verse? Don't we need that so much today? I want to close with just a prayer, a, a short prayer that would invite those of us to step into the light. If you've been a Christian for a while, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer as, an, as a confirmation, as an affirmation, as, as one more orientation toward the light in your life. If you've been searching and, and seeking and wondering what God's uh, role could be in your life, I want to invite you to pray this prayer, to step into the light, maybe for the first time ever. Would you silently repeat uh, these phrases in your heart or whisper them? Um, let's pray together. God, I recognize that I need you. That I've made mistakes, run for the darkness, and tried to do life without you. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalty I deserve. I receive your gift of grace. I turn from my old ways, taking a step toward the light and invite you to come into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Savior. Amen.